0: Episode 141 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the much-loved and now much-missed English actress Molly Sugden. She was best known for playing Nellie Harvey in Coronation Street, Mrs Hutchison in The Live of Birds, Ida Willis in That's My Boy, Nora Powers in My Husband and I, and most of all, Mrs Slocum in Are You Being Served? and its spin-off Grace and Favour. Molly died in 2009 at the age of 86. My interview with her took place in 2000, in London where she was promoting the release of Are You Being Served? on video. Do you think the
1: episodes which are on these videos are the best ones? Are they your favourites? Or
2: I must be frank I don't know what episodes are on because I haven't had a chance to look yet you see, because mm. I've been talking to people like you
1: Right. Now the, the series was recently, you know, repeated on the television
2: did you watch it a lot then or do you try and avoid it or? Oh no, no I Quite. Well, I, in fact it was quite interesting because it's so long since we made them that I couldn't remember how they ended or what they were about mm. and I, I thought, oh I don't remember wearing that frock so it was quite quite interesting and of course mm. you saw it from a totally different perspective mm. as though it wasn't you at all mm. you know. yeah, yeah
1: does it seem very strange then when you watch it
2: slightly yes it mm. it suddenly becomes impersonal mm.
1: you know and also because comedies changed so much and you know your, your life's changed so much <clears throat> does it seem very dated or do you think it keeps up with the times quite well
2: no because it was dated to start with Grace yeah. Brothers was old-fashioned mm. when we made it. Mm. So it's still old-fashioned, and I think that's one of the strengths. Mm. It's a bit like Dad's Army, you see. That, that was a sort of historical piece. So now that, that really hasn't dated because, it well, as I say, it was dated to start with. Mm.
1: I imagine also, I mean, one of the keys to its success presumably was the writing, the strength of the writing, and secondly, the teamwork because you were a fantastic team together, all of you,
2: weren't you? Oh, yes, yes. But uh, that, of course, was because of David Croft, you see. Mm. I mean, he and Jeremy Lloyd wrote these marvellous scripts. But David is a good cast. I would say he's got a head full of pigeonholes, mm. and each pigeonhole has a person in it. And he knows exactly when a part comes along for that person. But I think for Are You Being Served, the characters were written with us in mind. I think he had probably all of us in mind when he wrote. Because oh. when when you look at the very first pilot, it was all there. It wasn't. It was all together. Mm. You know, you didn't think, oh dear, well they'll have to tighten that up a lot. Mm.
1: But I imagine you added a lot of yourself to your character, didn't you? Well,
2: I think everybody does, to start with. You look like it, don't you? And I think they wrote with that in mind, knowing that you would, not exactly enlarge on it, but bring something. Mm -hmm. David liked, people who brought something to it, not just stood there and said the lines, you know, like... Because I've heard him say of actors in the past, not in *I* Being Served, but in other things I've worked in with David, I was very disappointed in him because he brought nothing.
1: Do you remember how the character was first suggested to you and what your initial reaction
2: was well i was doing they used to do comedy playhouses just Mm one-offs and then if they you know they pick out successful ones and i was doing a comedy playhouse with jimmy beck Mm -hmm. who died Mm -hmm. and ronnie fraser Mm -hmm. and uh, i think it would have been quite successful i only had about four lines in it But afterwards, when we'd done the recording, David, as he always does, he always goes round the dressing rooms and says, thank you very much. And he came to me to thank me for my four lines. And he said, oh, by the way, there's something written specially for you. It's Mm -hmm. coming in. Oh, I thought he said, never mind, you'll know when you get the script. Mm -hmm. And, of course, about a fortnight later, I got the script and, Mm -hmm. ah, this Mm -hmm. is it. This is what Mm -hmm. he meant.
1: Now the du tendres in the script now seem very harmless, but at the time were they quite shocking?
2: Oh, they were a bit a bit risque, yes. Mm. But you see, it was up to the listener. I would say to the pure, all things are pure. Mm. And of course, as far as Mrs. Slocum was concerned, she was naive to the point of being an idiot, really. Um, she was really a rather sad lady.
1: Did you I, like her though? Were you very fond oh, of her?
2: Yes, yes, of course. Mm. But you felt a bit sorry for her, you know, she did want a man and she didn't have one and her husband had left her. I mean, one couldn't understand why. And of course, you see, she, she would take umbrage at things, but she couldn't go beyond a certain point for fear of losing her job. So uh, it was interesting. There were, wasn't exactly a deep character, but there were some depths.
1: Were you surprised when the series took off and became a huge phenomenon?
2: Well, I was surprised when it became a huge phenomenon because you never expect to be associated with something like that. But I wasn't altogether surprised that it was popular because I always felt, well, everybody can associate with a shop. We all know, we've all been in department stores and we've all suffered at the hands of people like Mrs. Slocum, you know, so that I did think it stood a chance of being successful.
1: What made you first realise it was a success? What was it that happened?
2: Well, actually, the first two series that we did were fairly quiet because there was Man About the House in opposition, which, of course, that was established, so nobody was going to stop looking at that to look Mm. at us. And then there was Coronation Street, and they had their established audience, and I began to think, well, this is just doomed. But the third series, there was something like the World This Week or one of those documentary-type programmes, and everyone, oh, we're all this. Let's see, what... oh, look at this! Isn't this funny? And I think that's when it took yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, all of
1: you characters were very, very well-defined, fantastically created characters. Was there much competition between the, you know, each of you as to who was going to get the limelight?
2: No, no, none at all. There was no need to because we all had our own lovely little spots. There was no need to, to do that. No, 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 no. Apart from which, I think we all thought the others were funny.
1: Who was your favourite character then apart from Mrs Slocum?
2: I don't know, I, th- I think Wendy was a bit unsung because she was wonderful as Miss Brahms. Because she did it with spine and spark and she wasn't boring and yet she gave that impression of being one of these sales girls I don't know. You know, and and they they're so, they can be so limp. Mm. And and Wendy managed to do that with a lot of spine and get up and go. And of course she'd legs up to her armpits. That was all it was... A Bone of contention with me. She had such lovely long legs.
1: So there was some real life jealousy in there. As well.
2: Oh no, mm. not really. Because mm. of course I'd worked with Wendy before. You see, mm. I was old enough to be her mother, mm. and I'd worked with her in Hugh and I. So that we really were quite old friends. And of course mm. Frank Thornton, mm. we'd worked together. Mm. So uh, at least when you went for the first rehearsal, you didn't feel you were absolutely mm. on your own. You know. Mm.
1: Who became your very close, genuine friends in that cast?
2: Well, Frank, Wendy and John and Trevor. Mm-hmm. They are the people I've kept up with. I mean, of course, some of them are no longer with us, alas. Mm. And I suppose, too, the part of it is is when there is some function, like we went to the unveiling of a plaque at Elstree, and they're the ones who are more la- most likely to be there. And, of course... Uh, Apart from Wendy, they all live at my side of London, mm-hmm. so it is not too difficult to keep in touch. I'm not saying we meet weekly, mm-hmm. because, of course, everybody's very busy, but we enough for us to keep in touch and still be friends.
1: When Are You Being Served came to an end 15 years ago, how
2: did you feel then? Were you mortified or disappointed? Not mortified, but you, because after all we felt there'd been a fair crack of the whip, and there's a limit to the amount of storylines you can get even out of Grace Brothers mm. so that we felt it was um, we, we quite understood the writing being on the wall, but of course it was, it was quite a bonus when we all came back in grace and favour, which was totally unexpected mm. but very nice, and of course the nice thing about Grace and is we all went on location. We'd never done that before because the shop was a set mm-hmm. that they put up every week and took down every week see, and we, we never went anywhere else whereas uh, oh, we went on the on a farm in Gloucestershire it was great fun uh, Have you got any
1: mementos or souvenirs of the series at all?
2: I have so many cats you wouldn't believe, people send me cats from Australia and America and all points north Fluffy cats. Well, I don't mean real live cats, but I've pictures of cats done in Needlepoint, of of fur cats, woolly cats, zipper nightdress cats. You name it, I've got cats. And uh, they all sit at the bottom of the attic stairs in grand array. Makes it rather difficult getting upstairs, but still... Are you actually a cat lover? Have you ever been? No, really? no, I haven't. I'm a dog doggy person, oh, yes. really. Yes. I, I, I'm afraid I'm not, not really very fond of cats because I love birds. Mm. Needless to say, I'm a member of the RSPB mm-hmm. and I feed the birds all winter and I do not feed them for next door's cat to come along and eat them. Mm.
1: I imagine, you know, you had great success in the series and you obviously really enjoyed doing it, but, I mean, was it a bit of a pain because people would presumably shout out your catchphrase at you all the time?
2: Not really. I was, all, was so grateful that they all knew it. Mm. Though I don't think they did. They used to shout, hello, Molly. You see, I was very lucky because I was doing a lot of other things at the same time. I was doing Live Birds and I'd been in Coronation Street quite recently. the same time, I'd started doing That's My Boy for Yorkshire Television. So I was never identified particularly with one. They all, the Taxi drivers used to shout, hello, Molly, mm. not Mrs. Slocum.
1: But have there been occasions when, you know, Mrs Slocum's pussy and things like that have been shouted at you?
2: No, no. Really? No. How can you object to something mm. that uh, proves what a success oh, oh, it was? Yeah. No,
1: I'm not saying you would disapprove, yeah. but, but, I mean, have there been times when you've been in a funny place and someone's reminded you of it? Oh,
2: well, now and again, <coughs> out, your pussy, and I just say, my cut is fine, thank you. <laughs> and leave it at that, because, after all, I'm not Mrs Slocum. But... Very rarely. Mm -hmm. Usually they say, where's your coloured hair then? (laughs) Uh, But I had a funny one. Uh, In America, I was doing um, a programme for PBS on Long Island and they were, you know, they, to, to get money so that they can buy the programmes. I mean, it was rather funny, sort of, Now I want you all to give money, otherwise you mm-hmm. won't have the privilege of seeing me, <laughs> which was a bit difficult. But they did a phone-in, you see. Now, I'm not awfully good at that, because I don't hear very well. And there, there was this man who said, go on, say it. I, I said, say it. Yeah, don't say it, say it. So I said, and I am unanimous in that. No, 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 the other one, the other one. I, I'm awfully sorry, what other one? He said, Weak as Water. Weak. Oh. I only said it about twice. Oh. And yet, as far as he was concerned, that was the catchword.
1: Because the um, series and your character was so incredibly popular, were you afraid that it would damage your career
2: in some way? Oh, no, 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 never. No, because I never had any clear idea of where I wanted to go. You know, some people say, well, my next job must be so-and-so, and and then I'd like that to lead to the royal Shakespeare, and I'm not going to do this, I'm not... I always did everything that came my way, because I'd been used to weekly rep when, if one company folded, you thought, am I ever going to work again? Mm. So I I just took whatever came along, and it never occurred to me, really, that I, I had a career to... To spoil, and I was just Mm. delighted because I thought, no, this is wonderful, and indeed it was. It's been marvellous for me.
1: But were you always sent scripts subsequently which were of a similar character to Mrs Slocum?
2: Well, I don't know. There was Ida in That's My Boy. We did five series of that. Now, she wasn't really like Mrs Slocum. I suppose there was me in all of them, obviously, but she was a housekeeper, which is quite quite different and of course the mother in live of there was a similarity between mrs hutchinson in the live birds and mrs slocum in as much that though they were both trying to be really rather posher than than in mm-hmm. fact they were
1: it's funny you should say that because i often wonder if hyacinth bouquet would ever have been created without your character
2: oh i'm sure she would <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful character isn't it
1: do you see similarities with Oh, Patricia yes, I Routledge? do,
2: because she's a snob of the mm. first water and then is knocked down. I mean, every time she falls into the hedge when that dog barks at her, I, I die laughing mm. because she's trying to be so posh and then her hat sort of goes over the side of her, her face and she's, you know, brought back down to earth. It's lovely.
1: Would you have liked that part?
2: A- i got to say, you see, because Pat Routledge has made it so much her own. Mm that you think, well, that's bad. Mm.
1: How much did you get in the way of fan mail when you were in Are You Being Served?
2: Oh, don't mention it. Really? It's a very expensive business. Even more so now because the letters from America come in shoals. Really? And, of course, they can't send a stamped addressed envelope, you see. Mm. Not that many people do. Mm. But uh, it's quite expensive sending a photograph mm. flying across the States. Still, I mustn't knock it.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, imagine you're the kind of person that would insist on replying to all your letters. Aren't I?
2: Oh, I do. Yeah. Yes, if people mm. are kind enough to write, I do. Mm. Though sometimes it's very trying. But I, I, I do try to keep up with it daily, because otherwise, oh, you've got a whole day, oh, mm. that you've got to write letters. I don't write too many letters. The only thing about Americans is they want you to write. You see, in England they'll say, "Please may I have an autograph photograph?" Great, put it in an envelope, send it off. But Americans ask questions—long, mm. long lists mm. of questions. And you think, oh dear, but nearly always the same. Sometimes mm. I think I ought to have one sort of photocopied. Most people probably imagine that are you being
1: served with the best days of your life,
2: and is that true? No, because I've had such a lot of best days of my life, wonderful days, personal and uh, from the point of view of working. I mean, I've worked in Australia three times with a play, you know, with Australian cast. It's wonderful. It's magic. I wouldn't have done that but for I being served. Mm. I mean, the live birds was lovely. Nerys, she's felt almost like my daughter. You see, we mm. were still great friends.
1: Which of your work are you most proud of?
2: Oh, that's difficult to say. I don't think you're ever proud of it. You're just grateful. But uh, to say proud, I'm not a terribly proud person. Really, I don't think. How do you mean? Well, I'm 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 jolly lucky, and I'm glad. I'm glad when things go right. But I, I hope I'm not a swank pot. Definitely not. <laughs> May I ask when or where you were born? Is that OK? Yes, I was born in Keesley in Yorkshire, 1922. Well, July. The 21st. 21st. You don't read the papers. Well, uh, <laughs> There's always some newspaper yeah, that, that yeah. pops it in on July 21st. Right. And I get sur- surprise cards from people, That's which is nice. rather nice. nice. Were well, you from an acting family, from a showbiz no, family? No, 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 not at all. Nobody had ever been anything like that. But I'd always wanted to... to uh, well, I didn't know what the stage was. I didn't know there was such a thing as theatre when I was five years old. But I told this story so often. I went to a Sunday school concert in the village where we then lived. And I was taken by an, an older girl when I was five, and uh, a lady said a sort of funny comic piece. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I could do that, I can remember that. And I tried to tell them when I got home that I could do this thing. And nobody was they were very busy talking about my brother's wedding. Mm-hmm because he was quite a bit older than me. So nobody turned... Anyway, when Christmas came, and there was a sort of lull in the family party, and I, I said, I can do something. And mother said, she can't. Take no notice, she can't. Or let her. And I, mother was terribly embarrassed, and they stood me on a chair, and I said this funny piece. Well, it's got a quite good tag. And uh, they roared with laughter. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? Oh, isn't it lovely? Everybody laughed. And I think that, really, since then, I've always been wanting to make people laugh. But do you know that little piece has dogged me? I did it on This Is Your Life, Mm -hmm. when they did that. And then when I I was guest of the week, oh, a long time ago, on Woman's Hour, and uh, for some reason I recited this little thing, you see, well, I was driving to Cobham to do some shopping on Saturday, and I had the car radio on, Pick of the Week, and blow me, there was my little poem on Pick of the Week. Oh, crumbs if I'd known that when I was five. <laughs> now, what, uh, what business were your parents involved in? Father well, had an iron and steel, wholesale iron and steel he and his brother were partners, and they had a, a lot of shops as well. Well, not a lot, but there were several shops, but this rather large warehouse with great girders and stuff in. And, of course, my mother didn't do anything in those days. Wives didn't work, unless they were absolutely poor. but obviously they weren't. So, you know, there was no... In fact, on my This Is Your Life they tried to get the rags to riches bit, but there weren't any rags, and certainly there haven't been all that many riches, but Do you have brothers and sisters? My brother, yes, he was fifteen when I was born. Mm. But alas he's no longer with us. Mm. Did anyone
1: tell you when you were small that you would be a star? Oh no. <laughs>
2: no. Mm. I suppose now and again you've got a, a, a good friend and admirer who said You know, oh, I could see your name in lights, but you never believed it. Mm.
1: Most people must have frowned upon you when you said you wanted to be an actress or something like that. No, no, my
2: parents were very supportive. In fact, they paid for me to go to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. So, you know, and, and that wasn't just paying the fees. It was sort of paying for me to have rooms and live in London.
1: Who were your contemporaries in those days at the Guildhall School?
2: i just missed out on Claire Bloom. She was there before me. Then there was Honour Blackman. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember anybody else, particularly. You know who's made it.
1: So the Guildhall School must have brought you to London for the first time, I imagine, from Keithley. Um, what was that like? Was that quite scary?
2: No, not really, because there was just the first night when I arrived and I felt a bit, ooh, crumbs, I don't know mm. so. But the next day you turn up at, uh, at drama school which then was in John Carpenter Street near Blackfriars Bridge. And to, you meet people who are all doing, as you are doing, what they want to do, something... Mm. You, you have this wonderful thing in common. All want to act. So uh, I soon stopped feeling lonely. Mm.
1: These days, though, people leave drama school and they have got a very uncertain time ahead of them. Mm, Nobody yes, knows them. But, oh, oh, is oh, that
2: yeah. right? Is mm. just hard, I, I was about three months before I did any work. There was no easy way in. There never has been. It's terribly difficult because I get letters from young people saying, how do I go about getting a job? Well, I know now even less than I did then because at least in those days, every town had its own theatre and they're all gone, they're pulled Mm -hmm. down and they were lovely, uh, thatchum theatres, you know, with a beautiful um, dress circle and Mm -hmm. upper circle and the gods lovely, lovely theatres, and they're all gone. I suppose now you get places, you pubs, where they do put plays on, you know, in a room above a pub and things like that, but it's not the same.
1: Do you look more fondly on those early days than on these days?
2: Well, it's difficult to say because they're so different. In the early days, I was in weekly rep, a different play every <clears throat> week, probably a cast of no more than eight, so you work very hard, but you were doing something that you wanted to do. I mean, mm. I thought it was the most glamorous thing in the world. So one did enjoy it. But now I'm not doing very much work. but see, I'm enjoying this because now I've got my family and I can uh, spend time doing things I want to do. Alas, not gardening. Oh, it is such a trial to me not to be able to do any gardening. But uh, cooking, mm. knitting, doing all sorts of things and just sort of seeing the family and, and enjoying being with them. Have you ever
1: wondered what else you would have done had you not become an actress?
2: No, I don't know what I'd have done. I never had any desire to do anything else. It never occurred to me to do anything else.
1: Was there any actress that you aspired to be?
2: Well, I didn't think I ever would uh, reach her heights. That was Sybil Thorndyke. Mm -hmm. I was rather admired her. I thought she was rather good. And I once met her and she was very charming to me, very gracious. But, of course, she was... um, Dame Sybil, she mm. was really rather, rather grand, and I knew I would never attain that sort of status. Do you still think you won't? No, no, <laughs> of course not.
1: <laughs> What's the best tribute you've been paid?
2: I've had quite a lot. I can't remember tributes, but I, I know I've had some wonderful experiences. I was once asked to go to the Albert Hall There was a Methodist conference. Young Methodists came from all over the country and they spent time in London with families and then they all met up in the Albert Hall on a Saturday at the end of their week in London. And the, the Albert Hall was absolutely packed and they always had a surprise guest. And one year, I was it, you see, and they keep you sort of hidden away, nobody sees you. And then they just say, there is a surprise guest, and you come up the Bull Run, which is the most fantastic sight Mm. to go up there. I've done it many times since, but that was the first time and to see. And then when the, the spotlight came on me, the whole of the Albert Hall erupted. They clapped and cheered, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to speak mm. it was so moving it was mm. wonderful golly it's lucky to have things like that to remember
1: when you first started acting how did you think your career would go
2: oh i didn't know just as long as i kept on working that was all i cared about oh. just just let me do it
1: mm. so how did it progress how did it get you know established
2: it was a slow rise eight years in weekly rep and then I was out of work, living in rooms in London, and the phone rang. Of course, in those days, you see, the Yorkshire accent was completely eradicated. I mean, I couldn't talk then like I do now. Hmm. Did you have to have elocution lessons to no, get rid No, no, but I went to Guildhall School and it just hmm. soaked in. Right. Well, I mean, you did, along with everybody else who did. But, uh, so I said, hello, and the voice said, oh, dear, what a shame. We thought with a name like Sugden, you'd be Yorkshire. I said well I am love what do you want and it was your walter greenwood the playwright and he was casting uh saturday night at the crown a play he'd written starring thora heard and uh, they, they there was this absolutely smashing part and they couldn't find any. Anybody they wanted was either abroad or ill or w- doing some other work, you see. And they were really reduced to going through the spotlight, mm. looking for a North Country name. Mm. Thank goodness I hadn't changed mm. it. So, um, oh, good, goodie said, well, come along, c- come and see, you mm. see. So I went and met them. And, and I got this part, Eunice Sidebottom, who preferred to be called Mrs Siddy Bottam because... Mm. She, Wonderful, lovely, lovely part. It first it was just one week tryout in Blackpool at the Grand mm-hmm. Theatre, and then uh, something fell through for the summer season, and so we were popped in, and we spent the summer season. And then we went to the Garrick, so that that was, and it was George mm-hmm. and Alfred Black who put it on. Mm-hmm. So then George and Alfred Black knew about me. Consequently, they used me in other things. You mm-hmm. see, and then after, oh, quite a few years, George Black had an uh, an interest in Tiantese television. And uh, they were putting on a sitcom with uh, Glenn Melvin and Danny Ross and uh, me. Mm. So, you know, that was one up. That was where I met David Croft oh. because he was directing... Mm. I think it was probably one of his first directing Mm. jobs, you see. And, of course, you couldn't have wished to meet anybody better or more influential or more of a friend than Mm. David, you see. So that was great.
1: Did you ever wish you'd gone to Hollywood? Have you ever been offered anything over there?
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have gone, I suppose, like Mm. a shot. Whether I'd have been successful or not, I don't know. I don't think I have quite the attitude. Mm. I don't think I have the sort of grandeur to cope with Hollywood, I probably have got stepped on.
1: How satisfied have you been with your career so far?
2: Oh, very satisfied. I've made a nice living. Although in the early days when my children were were small, it could be quite difficult. And I mean, until they were seven, in fact, until they were ten, I only worked in television, sitcoms, so I didn't work very long hours. So I, I was always able to be at home when they were there and if i couldn't i always had a lady who looked after them there was never any suspicion of a latchkey so that one that was quite trying but rewarding and uh, I've forgotten what the question was now. It doesn't matter, because I
1: want to ask you about your children. Maybe know a little bit about your personal life. I don't want to be intrusive, but who... Well,
2: I'm not going to talk about my sons now, because they're in their 30s, and they have their own lives to lead, and I do feel that when they were young, they had enough to put up with, with me and my career without having their noses rubbed in it now, and apart from which they're both quite... I think quite important. Okay. But I've got five gorgeous grandchildren. Right. Simon has three little boys and Robin has a boy and a girl. And I must say the little girl looks very like I used to look. Mm-hmm. People say oh, she's like you. She's not a bit like me now, but she looks very like I used to look mm. when I see photographs.
1: So you've got the two sons, anyway, who you don't want to talk yes. about, and no daughters. No daughters, right. no. May
2: no. we know who the father of your children is? William Moore, Bill Moore. Yeah. He was in Sorry. Right. Do you remember? Language, yes. Timothy. Yes. yes, that was yes. Bill. Oh, right. Yes. We've been married 31 years. Right. We didn't get married very early. You see. Right. right. And then I didn't have my twins till I was 41. Oh, right. really? So, oh, I didn't rush into anything. <laughs> but it was wonderful mm. when they came. I think I was lucky because I think if you have your children, an actress certainly, in your early 20s, you've just simply got to give up acting because you can't afford to have any help. But if you're 41, you've got just a little... You're established a little bit and you can afford to have Mm. some help so it doesn't interfere with your career, you see.
1: What's the secret of success of a long marriage, then?
2: I think give and take. Sometimes I'm afraid I think it's Bill giving and me taking because he's Mm. awfully kind and Mm. so supportive it's lovely
1: (laughs) so is it still as fresh as ever now
2: oh yes and he makes me laugh you see we Mm -hmm. make each other laugh and of course there's this wonderful family that we have Mm. we share I just can't imagine what life would be like without Bill
1: is he still working
2: not now because yeah. it, uh, you we're neither of us very young, you know, mm. and, and we're neither of us as well as we used to be. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing is we don't mind. It's rather pleasant. We can mm. be at home and be comfortable together and see the family.
1: When were you last working?
2: Oh, I can't remember. I've, d- I've done interviews and I've done mm. sort of... Appearances, but I suppose the last series I did was The Liver Birds mm-hmm. when right. the 20 years on. But I think that was a pity, really. I'm glad I did it because I, I couldn't have borne anybody else to play Mrs. Hutchinson. Mm. But I was very, very ill at the time, mm. and uh, I was taking massive doses of steroids. I mean, and of course, you know what they do you mm. blow up like the gruff Zeppelin. <laughs> I certainly didn't look very good
1: you become something of a gay icon. How do you feel about that?
2: <laughs> yes, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes, yeah, I was in uh, San Francisco because I was with the opera company mm-hmm. there, you know. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't singing, but it was nice to be with them and a wonderful experience. <clears throat> but, of course, there are so many there and uh, they were very, very nice to me. I had, to, once in the opera house shop, I had to... Uh, they asked me if I'd sign videos... Mm-hmm. If anybody bought a video, I would sign it. And they were queuing all around the street. And so many of them were gay. And it was really quite upsetting because so many of them said, you know, we do appreciate what you do because mm-hmm. a friend of ours died, mm-hmm. uh, AIDS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, you were the last, you you kept him going so, so much. You, you lightened his life. He laughed at you. I don't know why, but, uh, why he did, they laughed, but, I'm very glad that, you know, because you you work for money. You mm. work because it's your profession, and I oh, enjoy the work. But you don't realise till much later the spin-offs. You know the the way it affects people's lives.
1: May we know where you live and what kind of a house you have?
2: I live in. Um, I won't tell you the village, mm. but I live absolutely on the village green. In a house that was built in uh, 1710, Mm. a Queen Anne house. It's a very, very nice example of a Queen Anne house.
1: May we know which county it's in?
2: Oh, in Surrey. Right. Yes, Mm. I've lived in Surrey for ages. In Mm. fact, I'm really a southerner now in everything but accent. Mm. Do you still have family up in Keithley? Only a niece and my uh, brother's widow. And they're not in Keighley. Mm. I have a friend in Keighley, mm. and I have sort of cousins and things, mm. but uh, no, no one near. And uh, now that my sister-in-law and her daughter have moved to Cumbria, so I'm more likely to go there.
1: You don't think you'll,
2: you know, retire up to Yorkshire? Oh, or never! No, oh. no, I couldn't possibly. Mm. I like I, I like Surrey, and my friends are all down here. I've lived here. I've lived in Surrey for. 30 years mm.
1: How much do you still socialise with fellow actors and so
2: on? Oh we're lucky we do meet up you know mm. mainly I think Frank Thornton, Wendy Richards, John and John Inman and Trevor Bannister because mm. uh, often we meet up if we're doing um, well as I said you mm. know we, uh, if you're like that unveiling of a plaque at true, mm. we meet up so we keep in touch that way and, of course, you see John and Trevor do pantomime. Now, with my grandchildren, it's wonderful for Granny to take them all. It costs a fortune, mind you. But uh, I take them to see John in pantomime, or Trevor in pantomime. We're going to see Trevor. This He's in Guildford this uh, year, in Aladdin. So I, I got the seats booked. <laughs> We're all off. At least half the family's off. The other half are in Germany, temporarily, for the the next two years, so we shall spend Christmas with them. Then we'll be back in time to go to see the pantomime with Trevor. Hmm.
1: Does it bother you that you'll always be best remembered as Mrs Slocum? No, not at all.
2: Hmm. I think it would be very ungrateful, don't you, if I was worried by it.
1: How would you like to be remembered after you've gone?
2: Oh, do you know, somebody asked me that before, and I really don't know. I don't think I shall be remembered really, except by my grandchildren who remember Granny and, and, and we had a laugh and we did various things. But I don't, I can't see that the general public are going to be writing an epitaph.
1: What about TV viewers? They, they must remember you well.
2: Well, they will, but it's a very transitory thing. I mean, when you say remember me, I'm thinking about people like Shaw. Bernard Shaw and people like that, you know, they do live on, but very few people, very few people are really remembered.
0: This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. I hope you've enjoyed my interview with Molly Sugden from 2000. If you'd like to comment on that or any of my other interviews in the PJ Archive, you can find and follow me on Twitter at PeterJonathanR2.